Welcome to the First Right Podcast, your weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and CEO of Restoration Pack. Today, we're blessed to have a first-time guest on, John Lott Jr., best known for his book, More Guns, Less Crime. He's the guy that's used hard data over the years to really knock down liberal uh, narratives, and he's still doing it because the liberals, like Joe Biden, are still attacking guns. So it's really great to have John to talk about this in this, in this time that we're in. Uh, welcome to the show, John. Oh, thanks for having me on. So you've got this incredible background on the gun issue, and uh, this is just one of those narratives that, you know, in, in, as conservatives, it's, it becomes our opinion at this point. It's almost fact that the uh, liberals take facts and just throw them out the window uh, in support of their narratives. And it feels like the gun issue was the first one that went down this path. Is that kind of how you see it? Or what's, what's your history on, on how you view their take on guns? Well, I mean, for decades, if you look at surveys, uh, the one issue that's most divided liberals and conservatives has has been gun control. Uh, I think, if anything, that's just become exasperated even further recently. Uh, there were polls that came out at the end of last year that showed that while support for gun control was falling overall and falling among, I mean, it was already low for Republicans, but falling among independents. Uh, it was actually still rising uh, for Democrats. Uh, you'd have something like 94% of Democrats want to have stricter gun control. Um, and also, uh, you would notice just how extreme uh, a lot of the claims for gun control. So you'd have 40% of Democrats would support a complete ban on the private ownership of handguns. Obviously, you'd be talking about something around 80% or so that would support a ban on so-called assault weapons. Of course, Biden would uh, uh, include uh, any type of semi-automatic gun uh, as an assault weapon in some of his recent statements. And 85% of handguns sold in the United States are semi-automatic guns. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, you look at something like uh, surveys on, uh, on gun registry. Uh, you have like a two to one support among Democrats for a national gun registry, two to one opposition to it among Republicans. Uh, but what's interesting is, is that the Republicans oppose a national registry because they think it would lead to eventual confiscation of all guns. And by similar percentages, the reason why the Democrats support a national registry is because they believe it will eventually lead to confiscation of all guns. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, the question is, to some extent, why is there such a uh, dichotomy there? Uh, I think there are a couple reasons for it. Uh, but uh, the most basic one is just who do you trust to make decisions? So I suppose kind of the, the, an analogy I can make is to views on health care. And that is, you know, uh, Democrats don't trust individuals to go and determine what's going to be covered by their health care. Uh, you know, with Obamacare, uh, the only decisions you had was the size of the deductible that you were allowed, basically. Uh, Republicans uh, support a much broader array of choices for individuals to make. And, and the point is, is that if you don't even believe people can properly choose what health insurance that they're going to get, uh, are you going to trust them with weapons? And I think uh, that's kind of the ultimate 
decision on whether you trust individuals to make decisions or not. I was wondering, too, about the, you, all these labels they put on there. What's up with this ghost gun thing that Biden was talking about? I mean, like this, most people like, is this some new category that we got to deal with now? Well, I mean, ghost guns are privately built guns. Uh, people in North America have had privately built guns since before there was a country. Uh, the type of people who normally do that are kind of engineer types who like to tinker around with different things. Uh, what Biden left out in his discussion was that, uh, uh, you know, it's already, there are already many laws that deal with ghost guns. One of the laws is that if you make a gun and transfer it or sell it to somebody else, that's a felony punishable by five years in prison. So, you know, the types of criminals that uh, might have guns, and that's extremely rare, aren't the type who go and are building their own gun. They go and obtain it from somebody else. But, um, you know, I think there are a couple points to make here. One is uh, Biden wants to, when he talks about violent crime, his entire focus is on guns. And, uh, you know, the problem is, is that over 92% of violent crime has absolutely nothing to do with guns. Um, if you want to go and reduce gun violence is the same way you reduce this huge percentage of, of violent crime, which has been increasing, uh, and that is you make it riskier for criminals to go and commit crimes. You increase arrest rates, conviction rates, prison sentence lengths, and that's not been the approach that Biden has taken. And so now you've got this crime spilling out into these swanky uh, neighborhoods. You know, what, what's, the, what's your take on what's going on in, in, in those situations? Well, we just... Uh, Look through some numbers for Los Angeles County, where over 37 months from January 2019 to uh, January 2022, uh, we looked at where the crimes were occurring by zip code in Los Angeles County. Uh, we linked it with the census data to get information on like median housing prices in the different zip codes or racial breakdowns or income. And it's really startling to see how the share of crimes uh, has changed over just those 37 months. Uh, you see big increases in crime in, in areas where you have high housing prices, uh, like over $2 million for the median price. At the same time, the share of crimes, violent crimes, uh, in poor areas has, has fallen. Uh, you know, and property crimes like uh, car theft and uh, shoplifting has increased dramatically in the predominantly white, uh, heavily heavy in high income areas and fallen in the other. Uh, I think part of what's going on is uh, uh, you've had big changes in how California and Los Angeles approach crime. Uh, they've made it so that it's uh, not as risky for criminals to go and commit crime. And that, I think, explains why violent crime has been going up. But my own guess, and more work needs to be done on this, is that that drop in risk has pretty much occurred all over the place. But it used to be a lot riskier for criminals to go and commit crime in you know, high-income, uh, wealthy areas. And, and, and if it falls dramatically, uh, it's fallen dramatically even more in uh, in these in those areas where it was particularly risky. So now criminals are 
are moving out of uh, the areas which are kind of their home turf into other areas. So let's go back to this other uh, issue too. So if this is such a an issue for them that this crime is going up and they're coming, why would they come out against guns even more now with crime such an issue? It just seems so counterintuitive. We've got an election coming up or maybe it's just a dumb thing that they're doing. But what's your take on why the Democrats would go down that path too? Well, I think they, they don't want to blame their policies, so they have to blame something. And guns right. are an easy scapegoat, or they think it is. But, you know, the irony is at the same time, they've made it very difficult for law enforcement to go and do its job. Uh, they want to make it difficult for private citizens to be able to go and protect themselves. And I think, you know, people, the reason why people have been buying a lot more guns over the last couple of years is because they've seen violent crime go up. They've seen violent crime go up in their neighborhoods. And they are worried that people aren't acting to protect them. And so they've realized that ultimately uh, protecting themselves and their family depends on their own act. Um, and so, look, uh, uh, the types of rules that Biden wants to put forward really aren't going to do anything to help solve crime. Take something like uh, the so-called ghost gun, uh, privately made gun regulations that he wants to have. He wants to have serial numbers on essentially all the different parts of a gun. Um, you know, before it was the firing mechanism and the mechanism that took the magazine that had to have serial numbers on them. Uh, but now, basically everything you could break a gun down into is going to have a serial number on it. And I think that's partly the point. They want to have the zero tolerance policy for uh, any paperwork mistakes, no matter how trivial. Uh, you know, they'll look at your paperwork over the last 15 years or whatever. And if they find something, they're going to put you out of business. Just one mistake. Well, you know, having to keep track of what are all the different serial numbers for all the different parts in a gun. If you move a barrel from one gun to another, you're going to have to redo all the paperwork. They just want to try to make it more difficult. Uh, for them to be in business, uh, just be one more mistake that might be possible for them to make. But serial numbers on crimes don't really work. I mean, maybe in the, the TV sh cop shows or something it does. But uh, in the real world, you know, in theory, if a criminal leaves a gun at a crime scene and it has a serial number on it and uh, the criminal obtained the gun legally uh, through uh, some you know, licensed dealer, uh, then you could go and trace it back to the criminal and find out who committed the crime. There's big problems with that. One, crime guns are very rarely left at the scene. The few times that crime guns have been left at the scene, the criminal is usually killed or seriously wounded. So you've got them anyway. Um, and a couple of times where they're not killed or seriously wounded, uh, the gun uh, isn't traceable back to the person who committed the crime because they didn't legally buy the gun through a licensed dealer. They got it through some black market or they uh, got it um, from a drug dealer someplace. And so, you know, the reason why you see it on like TV shows like Law and Order and what have you, and then they usually bring in things like um, gun registry, which is even a step further, is, uh, you know, they got a half hour to solve the crime. And so they go and bring it in and just say, well, you know, this solves the crime for it. Uh, but you look at even registration and licensing. There are plenty of places in the United States, or a number of them anyway, 
that have had uh, registration licensing. And yet time after time, uh, they're forced to admit that they can't identify a single crime that they've been able to solve as a result of registration licensing. Hawaii has had registration licensing since 1960. It's an island state. You would think it would be an ideal place to be able to go and use that type of system. But yet they can't point to cases that they've been able to solve. So yeah. uh, and, and just the, the government overreach all the time. And to your point, they're going to try to find any reason they possibly can to get you to do whatever they want you to do. So last question for you in this in this day and age where we have so much government intrusion, what's your what's your best advice you can give to, you know, patriotic Americans out there who want to protect their Second Amendment rights? What would you tell? Well, I think they need to be well informed about the issue so that they can go and push back on a lot of the claims because the media is constantly giving misinformation on this type of stuff, not only in terms of what they cover. So, you know, for example, my guess is very few people hear about mass public shootings that are stopped from people that are legally have guns with. Uh, you know, the, the media rarely covers defensive gun uses, just in general. Uh, we went through uh, media coverage last year on it, and you may find the top five newspapers in the United States may cover thousands, literally thousands, many thousands of gun crimes. At the same time, the top five largest newspapers had carried a total of 10 defensive gun uses combined between the five papers. Uh, you know, I don't blame people who may think that they're well-informed to watch CNN and MSNBC and ABC, NBC, CBS, and read, you know, major newspapers uh, who come away with the view that, well, you know, there are lots of gun crimes, you know, essentially zero uh, defensive gun uses. You know, what's the harm for getting rid of guns? Let's just go and ban them. Uh, you know, few people would know that people use guns defensively about five times more frequently. Uh, to stop crime, then guns are used in the commission of crime. Uh, but, you know, it's understandable to some extent if you're editor of a, a newspaper or something and you have two stories that come across your desk, one case, uh, a sympathetic person like a victim's been killed. In another case, let's say a woman's brandished a gun, it would be attackers run away, no shots are fired, no dead body on the ground, no crime actually committed. You're the editor. Which one would you pick? You, most people, I would, I'm sure most people would pick the first story. Now, we may care about it from a newsworthiness standpoint and what's going to get people's attention. But if you care about it from a policy perspective, in terms of what's going to save the most lives, uh, you know, you're going to care about both types of stories. Um, and so, you know, that's just one out of many, many examples I can give you with regard to the media bias. But that's the reason why we have our website at crimeresearch.org, uh, where we put together, uh, you know, academic studies and other things so that people have an idea of uh, the balance out there. Yeah, that's a, and I would encourage all of our viewers to go check out that website. Great book, uh, great points you make on all this. And I think we all just need to, like you said at the end here, just get stay super informed on this and make sure we know where they're going with it so that we can do everything we can to, uh, to prevent them from going that way, uh, especially in this day and age. Well, John, thanks so much for coming on. Hope to have you back and really appreciate all that you've done over the years. 
Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. That's our show for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right, all caps, one word, to 30161.